This is a Sprite. And it tastes exactly like it sounds. That first hit of cool, crisp refreshment on your tongue. Followed by that familiar chorus we all know by heart. Sprite. Thirst for yours. And I'm Baby. How you feeling, brother? I feel great. Hey, man, I'm excited about this episode right here. Man, we've been getting a lot of uh, requests for this one. Check it out, man. So, this is a topic that I've been passionate about for a long time. Mm-hmm. And recently, a lot of people have been hitting me up like, man, please let me know about what this Bitcoin thing is. What is cryptocurrency? Yep. I'll take you to lunch. Everybody's like, I'll take you to lunch if you can just tell me what it is. And everyone's been thinking that they're the, the experts on it now. Yeah, I'm like, for one, just do your Google, so I don't need your lunch, but cool. <laughs> <laughs> learned it the way I learned it, but everybody thinks they're experts, so we had to go get an expert ourselves and really put them on game. So we got my man Justin Go from Snap Ledger in the building. Let's make some noise for Justin. Hey, appreciate you guys having me on. How you doing, brother? Doing all right. How about yourself? Oh, good, good. So for the people that don't know, let them know who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Justin Go. I uh, founded a company called Snap Ledger probably about six months ago with a couple partners from a venture capital firm out in Brazil. Um, you know, it was kind of a whirlwind how this turned out. I started blogging and writing articles about cryptocurrency probably about last year mm. and uh, started gaining a pretty big following, mostly on LinkedIn, because I don't, I don't use any sort of social media outside of LinkedIn. Wow. But uh you know, after posting a ton of articles and started getting interest, uh, a couple of partners came up to me wanting to start a consulting firm, really getting the word out there on not only cryptocurrency, but the underlying technology behind it. Right. Because there are a lot of applications for blockchain uh, outside of currency. But, you know, we understand that currency is right now the frontier um, in terms of democratizing wealth. So that's primarily what our focus has been. Okay. Yep. Okay. And so for this episode, I'm just give you a heads up. Sure. We're going to do like the crypto for dummies episode. Because <laughs> like a lot of people are like, well, even when I ask and people tell me what it is, it still feels like I don't understand. So we want to like from square one. Yep. What is let's start with the blockchain. OK. What is the blockchain? So, you know, this is a good exercise for me, too, because when you get into the technicalities of cryptocurrency and blockchain and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really easy to get into that sort of talk. And sometimes when I'm trying to explain it to family members and friends, you kind of have to get creative in how you word things. Mm -hmm. You know, and it can get very challenging, and I'm sure you've had that challenge too. Um, But blockchain is essentially the technology that underlies Bitcoin. It's what allows Bitcoin to happen. It's a network of users on the blockchain, on the Bitcoin blockchain, that basically... uh, in a way, they utilize their computer space to handle these transactions for Bitcoin, and in that process, they get paid Bitcoin as well. Mm. So now what happens is, is if you take a look at a company like Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. They have all of your guys' information stored in a central server. They do. Right? Right. And any other company like that, like Equifax. The problem with that is that it's very easy to hack because all of the information is stored in one place. Right. So if you take a look at a bank vault, right, and I'm a very crafty, uh, you know, safe cracker. Right. 
Oh, shit. All I have to do is get into the bank vault, <laughs> and all the money's there. It's in one place. Right. right. Right? Now, visualize a bank vault where if I'm a very crafty hacker or a, or a safe cracker and I break in, imagine that every single dollar in that bank vault is locked away in a separate different door. Mm. There's no possible way that I'd have enough time to hack that, and that's essentially what the blockchain is. It's decentralized. So the, the, the misconception about Bitcoin is it's not a company. Right. It's a currency that is owned by no one. It's managed by no one. And the blockchain is the technology that allows it to happen. It's an open source code. Anybody here can be a miner. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just have to buy a powerful enough computer to help their end of the bargain to uh, handle these transactions. And then they get paid in Bitcoin also. So right. that is what's appealing in terms of being a miner. So now when you look at blockchain, Essentially what it is, it's a ledger that stores records, and it stores it in a place that's not centralized. Right. So you take a look at what else can that be you know, applied to. It right. could be applied to of anything where you need to hold information right. in a secure place. And that's really where we're at right now. We're really exploring those uses because you know, the blockchain right now, I'll tell you guys, is where the internet was in 1989. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There are so many uses outside of just the currency function. Right. But we're still exploring what those are, and we're finding out what those are on a daily basis. And that's why this whole industry is kind of blowing up. And uh, it's pretty exciting. So, you know, I really appreciate the uh, chance to come up here and talk with you guys. Oh, definitely. It's much needed. So could blockchain possibly be the future of storing information? Yes, 100%. The blockchain can actually, in many ways, be the Internet 2.0. You know, it can it can be used for a lot of things. There are actually musical artists right now that are putting their music up on a blockchain, uh, specifically the Ethereum network, mm-hmm. and they're able to sell their music directly to consumers in Ethereum without having to pay someone like Apple, without having right. to pay someone like Google. Because when you're an artist and you put up your music, why is a big chunk of... Uh, you know, the fee that you charge going to them when all they're really doing is facilitating it. Right. You know, so this kind of democratizes it in the way where uh, musicians are able to get their music digitally directly to the people that want to listen to it and they collect 100% right. of the fee. Mm. And and you did mention about putting it on uh, Ethereum. Isn't Ethereum also a cryptocurrency? Yeah, so Ethereum is a blockchain protocol that's open source. So unlike Bitcoin, Ethereum says here, you can build an app on top of our blockchain and have access to all of our miners and our users. Their currency is technically called Ether, but oh, okay. you know, people know it as Ethereum. So they're one and the same. But if you're utilizing you know, the Ethereum blockchain, most likely you'll be using Ether as a form of payment or right. some derivative of that. So, Okay, let's go back to, you're talking about mining. Yep. So if I want to be a miner, what, what is that? How do I get into that? Why yeah, would so, I want to do that? So... Back in the day, and I say back in the day as if it's been a long time, it's, it's really not too far off where when Bitcoin first started, there weren't too many people actually utilizing the Bitcoin network, as you can imagine. It's something right, right. that's new. So back then, all you would need to do is have a computer, you know, download some sort of crypto wallet, uh, download your mining protocol, and then you basically just lend your computer to the network. You don't actually have to do anything. So your computer, what it does is, let's say that you want to sell something to you, mm-hmm. right? And then you guys swap cryptocurrency. Everybody on the blockchain network is competing to solve that problem. Because right. although Bitcoin is completely public, 
the information is encrypted. Right. So although I can see that a Bitcoin is being spent, I don't know who person A is and who person B is. Right. So if my computer is the first one to solve that problem, all the other miners now have to confirm that that is correct. And mm. if there's a consensus of 50% or more, that uh, transaction is locked, it's confirmed, and then the person who mined that Bitcoin gets a percentage of Bitcoin, you know, so then they harvest it. So that's one of the ways you can earn Bitcoin. You can either mine it, you can either buy it on an exchange like Coinbase, which is blowing up now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you can actually transfer it for hard cash at a Bitcoin ATM. And I know there are a few, there's probably about five or six in Denver right now, yeah. where you can actually just go put in your money and then convert it to the cryptocurrency you want. So mining is a form of kind of making Bitcoin. It's kind of like an income rather than something that you just buy. Right. Right. Yep. And then how many um, Bitcoins are there total? Isn't it like 21 million or something? Yeah, there's 21 million total in existence. And the reason why that's so important is because it, it, it creates an artificial scarcity, mm -hmm. right? So they're calling Bitcoin gold 2.0. Mm -hmm. The reason why they're calling that is because there is no, you can't create more Bitcoin, right? You know, it's hard written into the code. So now if you have something like gold, what is gold? It's a piece of metal that us as a human race decided to put a value on it. Right. Just because it's pretty, because it has some applications, jewelry, it has some function. Mm -hmm. But it's so expensive, right, because of its, of its rarity. <laughs> Bitcoin replicates that with its code. You pointed it out, 21 million total. Yeah. Um, and the more people buy into Bitcoin, the more miners get involved in the blockchain network, the price goes up because there will never be anymore bitcoin right mm. now that's good and bad because bitcoin was originally used as a form of currency right but mm. now it's transitioning into a form of wealth yeah i'm sorry not a form of wealth uh, uh, like a, an asset yeah like yeah. an asset like a storage of wealth right i don't want to use any bitcoin for good reason you right. know you hear horror stories of people who bought a papa john's pizza for seventeen thousand or whatever number that was as bitcoin <laughs> <laughs> And then you look at it today and you're like, great, that's an $80 million pizza you just spent. And people hate themselves. Wow. Yeah. You know, so wow. <laughs> it's transitioning more to a storage of wealth. And, and I think that's what Bitcoin's primary function will be moving forward. Mm. So <clears throat> that's interesting because once that 20, well, it'll be a while. Mm -hmm. Once that 21 million is gone, is that where the altcoins and these other sources start to kick in? Because, I mean... Well, I guess Essentially, the, Bitcoin is no more. So the 21 million, it's pretty much already gone, but everyone now is just buying a piece of it, right? Unless Well, yes and no. So the when you're a miner, there's, a, there's an algorithmic code, and I could spend hours talking about it, but new Bitcoins have yet to be mined. Ah. There's a limit of 21 million, which we haven't reached yet. Mm. They're saying it could take about 100 years, maybe even less at this rate, at the speed we're going. Right. But at that point, once all the all the Bitcoins have been mined, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of Bitcoin. It'll just be a little bit more centralized like a bank in the sense that they will start charging fees and paying the miners, you know, a commission for handling these transactions. Right. Right now, they're incentivized to earn Bitcoin. But in the future, once there are no more Bitcoin, that's probably the model that they're right. going to have to shift to. Of course, no one knows for sure what that's going to look like. It's interesting. By then, is there something new that's going to replace it? Who knows? Is this where the other altcoins come into effect? We don't know. You right. Know? So that's why uh, 
you know, one of the things that I wanted to bring up on the show is I wanted to bring awareness that people should tread lightly when investing in cryptocurrencies. Mm. You know, because just about two years ago, when I would talk to people about cryptocurrency and the blockchain, they'd be like, yeah, whatever, you know, that's just whatever. It's magic money, made up money. Right. But, and I'm sure you can attest to this, mm. we're getting blown up about yeah. Bitcoin, about cryptocurrencies. How do I buy it? What do I do? You know, and, and you see a lot of people making a lot of illegitimate or I guess reckless sacrifices to buy Bitcoin right not necessarily understanding the technology behind it and the risks yeah you know so you know if one thing I could share here is to invest wisely only invest what you can afford to lose whenever I buy a cryptocurrency I already assume that I've lost that money mm. yeah you know because it could all be nothing and just like any investment just like any form of you know it's all precious again. stone right right it's only worth what the next person is willing to pay for it. Right. So, you know, that's what I would like to, to stress is to be very careful and also treat it as if you've already lost it. Therefore, you know you can afford it. Right. 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 So when people have these fears about it crashing and, mm -hmm. and, and just it all going away, where does that stem from? Could Bitcoin crash, essentially? And, Bit what, and what would it take? Bitcoin could crash, theoretically. But that would be, we would have bigger problems than that if, if Bitcoin was to crash. Because if you take a look at Bitcoin, it is on a network of thousands and thousands of users, mm. right? So if an outage of that scale happens, we've got bigger problems than Bitcoin just right. to worry about. Because like it, it, if, you know, a portion of miners go offline for a while, mm -hmm. there are enough people with the same exact record of the blockchain protocol, the Bitcoin blockchain, that they can reconcile lost records because everything has been recorded since the beginning, since the Genesis block, right. the first block of you know Bitcoin. Uh, but yeah, I would say it would it would be catastrophic, obviously. But mm -hmm. it, it would it would take a lot. Okay. It would take a lot. So would so would it just take an outage of like a blockchain outage, or is there something else that could cause it to crash? Like, um, one of the main things people always say is it's going to get hacked, and you're going to lose all your money. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the, the scare that the media likes to push, too. Sure. Well, I think that, honestly, between between us, I think that scare is healthy because you want people to be responsible with, you know, owning cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. Now, the blockchain itself is the transmission of the currency, mm -hmm. right? The blockchain itself is very, very secure because there's very little you can do to actually alter it because every block prior to the current block has a record of that, what happened with that particular coin. Right. What you have to worry about are the exchanges and the wallets, mm. you know, because those are not secure. Like if you look at Coinbase structurally, it's no different from a company like Equifax or Facebook. You know, they have a centralized location of your information and you hear articles about people losing their Bitcoins. And then the first thing, my dad's especially like this, he'll call me up and he's like, I just read an article that people lost their Bitcoins from the exchange. <laughs> Correct. I thought the blockchain couldn't, you know, I thought it was impossible with blockchain technology. Well, if people leave their wallets on an exchange and they have money sitting there on an exchange, the exchange can get hacked. Yeah, right. You know, so the important thing for people who own cryptocurrency is to have a, a hard wallet, you know, like something like Trezor, where they could plug into their computer, transfer their cryptocurrency, and then unplug it and keep it offline. Mm -hmm. Because if that exchange gets hacked, your cryptocurrency is safe. Right. But that's the problem with some, with people rushing to things like this. You know, right. they, they can easily buy Bitcoin by downloading an app on their phone, uploading their bank information, 
and then it's fun. You see your money going up with the right. price of Bitcoin, and they just leave it there. Right, right. That's not how it was intended to be used. Mm. You know, so the thing is, is you want to take them off the exchange, store them offline. That's the safest way you can protect yourself because it still can be hacked. Right. The transaction itself is very hard. But it's just like, you know, it's just like pulling money from an ATM. You don't leave it there. Yeah. You know, you put it in your wallet. And with your company, Snap, uh, Snap Ledger, mm-hmm. you can actually give people step-by-step instructions on how to uh, uh, transfer from that exchange into a more secure... Yeah, I mean, we're always willing to give advice, but Snap Ledger uh, is more of business-to-business. Okay. You know, helping them explore the blockchain, helping them find out its future uses, helping them realize, is it something that we actually need? Mm-hmm. Because blockchain right now is that hot-button issue. It's that sexy word that people want to associate their company with. Right. When in reality, they don't even really need it. They yeah. just want it there to gain attention. Like, oh, we are a blockchain company. And, and uh, you know, in many cases, it's it's really not necessary. Right. You know, so uh, just like anyone else, they're trying to make money off of the trend. It's the dot-com, you know, of, exactly. of the early 2000s. So. so to go back to the investment part of it, yep. uh, one of the main questions I get is, so do I need $17,000 to buy a Bitcoin or how do I start investing? Like, how do I even begin with investing in Bitcoin? Yeah. So... With a lot of worry, I have a lot of optimism when it comes into investing into Bitcoin mm. because uh, it's teaching a lot of people that ha- that I personally know that had no interest in investing in the securities, but they're, they're learning the basics of investing by yeah. buying Bitcoin. The thing about Bitcoin is that's different from stocks is you can buy a portion of Bitcoin, right. an infinitely divisible amount. I can buy $3, $10 worth of Bitcoin. Right. So I don't need to buy a whole Bitcoin. Now, if you buy a portion of Bitcoin, uh, as Bitcoin's price inflates, yours will do uh yours will inflate accordingly mm-hmm. and to scale mm-hmm. right but the reason why it's important and it's very positive i think one of the positive things about investing into cryptocurrency is that when i look at a company like apple that's very secure you know very uh established and it, it's usually touted as a very safe investment mm-hmm. it pushes a lot of people off because you have to buy a whole share Right, right. You know, and, and that's what cryptocurrencies kind of do for everyday investors that I think is great because not only does it teach them the game, but they also don't have to invest a whole lot into it right. to understand how it works. On the flip side of that is, like I pointed out earlier, a lot of pe- I, I hear a lot of concerning things about people wanting to mortgage their house, sell their car, mm. just so they can purchase Bitcoin, let it ride. Flip it for a quick uh, yeah, profit, right, right, and, and and that's very risky because a lot of these people are buying into Bitcoin, not necessarily understanding its future uses, what it's for. Mm-hmm. They just know that it's a money machine right now, which is true, right. Yeah. But when something goes wrong, they're the first people out too, mm-hmm. you know. So this perpetuates a potential crash that makes me nervous. You know, I've been focusing more on the underlying technology. Whereas a lot of people are caught up in the actual currency function. And right. I think that they should do a lot more research before buying into cryptocurrencies. Mm. So would there be a way to invest into blockchain? Is there is that possible? Uh, at this point, blockchain is just uh, is just a technology. Okay. It's like saying, can I invest in the Internet? Mm. You know, you can invest in certain different companies. Uh 
that are utilizing blockchain, but blockchain is, is, is just a technology. So yeah, you can't really, um, how, I guess, how high do we think that, uh, Bitcoin is going to get before it stabilizes or, oh cause I've, I've heard everything from 60,000 to, <laughs> I think it's impossible to gauge. Yeah, it, it is impossible to gauge. And, you know, there's a lot of mathematics behind it and a lot of different ways you can chop up the numbers. To your point, you know, I've heard 60,000 by the end of 2018. I've heard 500,000 very reputable people, you know, in Silicon Valley are predicting about half a million to a million dollars per Bitcoin, uh, like John McAfee. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's impossible to tell because Bitcoin is ultimately only worth what people are willing to pay for it. You know, so if if you have uh, a lot of people who are willing to be in it for the long game, then the sky's the limit. But if, you know, if Bitcoin turns out to not be the most effective storage of wealth, if there's another company that comes along or another form of currency that comes along that surpasses Bitcoin, mm-hmm. Bitcoin could be worth nothing. Right. You know, so it, it is kind of a gamble because, I mean, who would have thought now that MySpace would be MySpace right. and no. Facebook would come along? If you take a look at MySpace... I had a lot of fun with it. I don't know about you yeah, guys. Yeah, and there's a lot more you can do with MySpace in terms of customization. I remember some people having their pages with this background, yeah, different yeah, music, yeah. different mouse cursors, right? Right. But you could find people like within like different zip codes yeah. and request them as friends. You had like your top eight. <laughs> right. And now you look at that like, damn, that was that you know, that was that. And now we got Facebook and right. things way beyond that. Right. I think that's a good thing when it comes to the crypto world though, mm-hmm. because no matter what, it just shows that we're moving into a new era. Yes. Uh not only currency, but just new rules in general. Right. What I like about cryptocurrency and what I find that is promising is that it takes the power away from the centralized banks. Mm-hmm. Right? And it kind of redistributes the wealth amongst the everyday people, amongst us, yeah, right. right? Because if you take a look at, I could Skype with someone from China, right? Or Australia for free. right? And think about that technology, very advanced, how much information is being sent live. The amount of technology in this room alone is, is miraculous if you think about it, right? Yeah. So why is it that there's so much free technology out there, yet when I want to transfer money, which is just an electronic number on a ledger mm-hmm. to say a family member in Australia, why does it cost so much money? Right. You know, because that's how these banks survive. They survive off of the transfer fees. They survive off of our overdraft fees. They survive off of any sort of other fee and they need to maintain relevance. Well, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency has proven that you can do all that for very cheap and very fast. Mm, right. And that worries them. You know, so that's what I think is very promising because it allows us to kind of take back a little bit more of that power because we really don't have any say right now with these banks. It's true. That's true. As far as um, as far as politics. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as uh, politics and government, is there anything that they could do, I guess, regulatory wise involving Bitcoin? I mean, I guess what kind of power, what kind of reach do they have? You know, it. It's going to be interesting how it plays out because right now nothing is set in stone. We're kind of living history as it goes Mm -hmm. because as Bitcoin rises in value, that means that people are taking their dollars and converting it into Bitcoin. Right. Whatever reason they do that for is up to them. But if Bitcoin rises in value, other world currencies will begin to devalue. Mm -hmm. You see? So 
there's going to be a point in the future where we're going to have to decide what's it going to be. You know, is it more efficient for me to turn my money into Bitcoin because it's stable and the dollar now cost me a thousand dollars to buy a cup of coffee? Right. We don't know what that looks like, right? So, in terms of regulation, what they're trying to do now is if you're a Bitcoin miner, the Bitcoin you earn is taxed as income, right? Because you're basically working for your Bitcoin, right? Whereas if you are, you know, buying Bitcoin and you're holding Bitcoin, it's being taxed as an asset. But all of that is really hard to regulate, and we're going to see how all those things play out. But that's where they're at right now. How do you think um, net neutrality will play into all of this? Ooh, Ooh. that that. Uh, I like when y'all say "ooh." That was real. Yeah, <laughs> you know net. Uh, <laughs> You know, net neutrality being repealed by Ajit Pai is uh, is another topic I don't want to get into because I have strong feelings about that. Yeah, I think yeah. it's despicable, um, but also it, it does it could threaten cryptocurrency just because if these individual you know uh, service providers, yeah, because essentially we need the internet to be able to use it, right? Oh well, yeah, yeah, yes. and and if they you know the thing about net neutrality is if they can if they can pick and choose. You know, what service to provide and what to charge for. That's very dangerous because now you're getting into the range of censorship. Yeah. You know, and I just got back from a business trip in Shanghai and you see a lot of censorship there. Wow. You know, Google is illegal. Facebook is illegal, right? And the things that you can search, you know, are very, they, they've been scrubbed ahead of time. You know, so that that gets very dangerous because then you can control what people think right. and what people learn. And that's my theory behind this whole thing is they kind of want to put a muzzle on us because... It's control. Now the internet is to a point where the internet is essentially all you need information-wise. And so the wealth of knowledge that we just have at our fingertips mm-hmm. is scary to the government. Because then you get like the cryptocurrencies and it's like, oh, well, damn, now they have their own network of, right. of money and they have their own network of voices and entertainment we could essentially overthrow the government. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it would not overthrow, but sure. we we can create our own underground network essentially yeah, with these yeah. things. But they have the control to shut that shit down with this net neutrality. And essentially, like the internet has affected everything from music to entertainment. Yeah. To, like people don't really need a. It, I mean, it's a, it's affected commerce. We don't really need it's brick all and mortar here now. Uh, businesses anymore. We don't yeah. need record labels. We don't. So we're not going to need banks. We're not going to need nothing. And how many backdoor deals are being made on a high level where you know a competitor says, "I don't want any of their stuff showing up, and I'll pay you this much, yeah. or at least push it lower on the search field." Right. Right. Oh, absolutely. And what's scary is, is if we Google something, we actually don't know what we don't know. Are we seeing everything? We right. Be? Exactly. And that's we, the scary and, part. And that's what that's what repealing net neutrality essentially means. Now we moving forward, we won't know if we're getting the, the, the same level picture because if you are with one provider and I'm with another one and we Google the same identical things, unless we're right next to each other, we won't know if we're seeing something differently. And that's very dangerous. Yeah. Which is true because we've seen that already with the way that different browsers work. If you use Google to look up something versus mm-hmm. Bing or versus right. Yahoo, I mean, it may pull up different searches or pull up searches or results in a, in a separate order. Sure. Companies can pay Google more money for their result to show up higher on their list. I mean, you factor in like news and education and entertainment and all that with that. It's definitely a source of control. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> What else we got for the for the Bitcoin world, man? I'm trying to think of some of the other questions. Well, how'd you get into it, man? Interesting. So years ago, I'm just a geek like that. So <laughs> I, I was I was just I don't know what I was doing, but I stumbled upon I think it was through video games actually. 
people were like exchanging currency for like points or something like that, like how Xbox points sure. work pretty much. Yep. So the nerds kind of had their black market off the market of paying each other via you know digital money. Mm. I thought that was really interesting. So as I started to you know learn more about it and learn more about Bitcoin. I was like, yo, this is going to be the future. So I'm trying to tell everybody around me, like, listen, like, we're going to be converting to digital money in the future. <laughs> like, this is what, look, I just paid for this. He just paid me this. It's kind of shady because I got to go do <laughs> some weird shit with the USB. I don't know how to get my money from it. But, look, I got money in here. Yep. Like, I can see that I have money. And they're like, well, it's not real money. It's, it's like video game money. I'm like, no, like, it's actual currency. Like, I would say, if you want this, and I say, okay, if you want this, you have to give me that. It's it's a transaction, yeah. so it's, it doesn't have to be money. It's still a transaction. I'm right. getting things I want for this imaginary money. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm trying to tell everybody this, and they think I'm crazy. It's like, oh, we're not. You know, you're you're tripping. And just as the years go on, I just kept following it. I'm like, yo, like this shit's slowly going up. It goes back down. Now the media is talking about it. Now you got celebrities and people kind of like, hey, this Bitcoin thing might be real. Yeah. And now it seems like now this year. It's just like boom because Bitcoin went up so high. Now yeah. everybody's an expert. Everybody's always invested in Bitcoin. And I'm like, motherfuckers! Like I've been telling you this. Unfortunately, when I did find out about it back then, I didn't have enough funds to really like invest the way I would like to have mm-hmm. because I wouldn't even be sitting here right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be balling out of control. But now, since I know what I know, and then I see like the Litecoins and Ether and uh, yeah. a few of these altcoins. I'm like, watch. A few years from now, we're all going to be pretty pretty good if it keeps yeah. at this pace. But that's for me. What do you feel about Litecoin and its sudden boom? Litecoin, uh, you know, Litecoin is interesting because it, it's basically a fork of Bitcoin. Mm. And uh, Charlie Lee, I think his name is, yeah, Charlie Lee, he's a former uh, Google developer. Yeah. You know, so he's been in the cryptocurrency for a while. And the thing about Litecoin that worries me a little bit is is its value only because of the people who don't want to buy into Bitcoin because they think it's too high? Right. You know, because when Bitcoin hit, you know, six thousand, ten thousand, sixteen thousand, you also saw the cost of, you know, Ethereum and Litecoin mm-hmm. just drive up. Right. And my worry is is because the majority of new investors, if they're investing on Litecoin or sorry on Coinbase. Mm-hmm. Those are the only three currencies they see. Exactly. You know, so I don't know what's truly driving the price of Litecoin, and that's dangerous because is it all speculation? Is it just because it's the next, the second best thing? Right. You know, is it really going to uh, surpass Bitcoin, or is it really the silver to Bitcoin's gold? Right. You know, these are all the things that we just don't know yet. Mm. You know, so I'm always weary about people actually investing. And I hate giving advice because this is real money that people have right. worked their asses for. Exactly. You know, worked their asses off for, and then now they're going to transfer it into a currency that is untested. Right. Mm. You know, so that's why I want to, you know, I want to uh, put caution out there to people who are thinking about buying cryptocurrency. Really be careful and only invest what you can afford to lose. Right. To lose. And, and lately we've, we've been hearing about uh, different people actually creating their own cryptocurrencies. How does, how does that happen? You know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, a, whole other, that's a whole other thing. I, I, I'm going to go ahead out there and say that there's a good majority of altcoins out there and tokens that are just 100% scams. Mm-hmm. They're looking to tap into a market where there are people that are eager to buy 
these currencies with no obligation to actually deliver on the projects that they're saying. Mm. You know, I want to build a new universal currency that'll be used for the music industry as a whole. Whenever you want to buy a song, you're going to use my coin. Right. You know, so they do an ICO. They sell an initial coin offering of these coins at a discounted price. Mm -hmm. Then when they make their hundreds, thousands, millions, their company dissolves and disappears. Mm -hmm. And they have no obligation. There's no regulation. Yeah. So that's why I mean, like, really be careful into, you know, what you're investing into because there are a lot of coins out there. Some of them them selling for fractions of cents. But even then, if you put $300, $3,000 into an altcoin that just dissolves, that's just money that went into someone else's pocket without any regulation. Right. So it's kind of the Wild West. Yeah, now that I think about it, it, it's similar to like the taste of Colorado. You go there, you have to, you have to pay, you have to pay real money. Where you going with this? And they, and they give you like these these paper like exactly. tickets. Exactly. Um, you can buy food or whatever with it. Right. And then I guess essentially, the more people, I guess if they have like a finite amount of you tickets, really are hungry. Yeah. I really am. I'm starving. I really. He's so I'm thinking Chuck E. Cheese coins and stuff. He says taste of Colorado because that's the only thing I can think about. Because it's it's never like a it's not like an equal amount. You don't pay like twenty dollars and get twenty tickets. You'll pay like whatever it's it's worth at the time. Yeah. So essentially, it's like that. It's like a finite amount of tickets, and then maybe the more people who go or try to buy tickets, that increases its value. But then essentially, it's only good in that space. Mm-hmm. At the Taste of Colorado. By golly, I think he's got it. And then, and then after Memorial <laughs> Day weekend, they pack up and leave, and then you have all these leftover tickets that you can't And remember. it's worth nothing, yeah. right? And that's that's exactly how it works. Because now you're seeing a lot of coins that, although you can understand, okay, it still has the function of cryptocurrency, it still does have underlying blockchain technology. The niche is so use, or, or the, the use is so niche that am I really going to use this one coin for this small particular niche use? Right. You know, if someone decide. I'm trying to joke, but if someone came out with uh, something called shitcoin mm-hmm. and it allows me to utilize public bathrooms that they right. charge for, <laughs> right. am I really going to, is it really going to be useful? You know right. what I mean? So right. there are a lot of coins. Somebody almost like, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> Found it. Right. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of gimmicks out there. There's a lot of scams. Um, there's a lot of these uses, but you, you have to wonder, can it, can Ethereum be used in this case? Can right. Bitcoin or Litecoin or, you know, Ripple or any of the other ones be used for? Because a lot of these other altcoins have significant backing and real teams and, you know, they're really trying to change the game. And unfortunately, there are a lot of scam art, uh, artists out there that take away from that, yeah. you know, and it gives uh, cryptocurrencies a bad name. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because Bitcoin... The thing that is promising about Bitcoin is, can you think of any other company that can overcome a PR disaster like Silk Road? Right, right. You know, and yet they still persevered and they pushed on. You know, the, yeah. the bad rap on Bitcoin a few years ago is that it was only used for illicit purposes. People were buying drugs online. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the first people to raise the flag on that are banks. Right. Okay, let's be real. If I, if in today's terms, I go to a bank and I want to withdraw $7,000 cash or I want to go to an ATM and withdraw a good amount of cash, there's probably a chance where I'm going to use that to buy something that might be illegal because I want it off the records. Mm. Yet they don't care. Why is that? Mm. They don't care what the dollar is being used for, yet they're calling, they're calling cryptocurrency out. 
And luckily, cryptocurrency has gotten past that because now Bitcoin is not really the, the, the currency that is being used on the black market. Right. You know, it's shifted to these altcoins, you know, and that's what also has helped propel Bitcoin into its, uh, into its you know, stratospheric price because it's kind of overcome that. Mm, that's that's a good segue into my next point because yep. I was gonna say I think Bitcoin for me feels a little more real because now there's so many places accepting Bitcoin as actual payment. Right. Um, our producer Julius asked the other day on Facebook, or he, or he said he didn't ask shit. He was barking at everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "When y'all gonna make some life purchases with these imaginary monies? I ain't mm-hmm. seen nobody buy a car or real estate yet." Ooh. However, there are more and more places. Accepting Bitcoin as yeah. actual See what happened was. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, do you see that being something that's going to be more of a thing as far as just retail and brick and mortar places accepting Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? Well, yes and no. The, the problem that I see with Bitcoin is that it has a spending problem. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is its original function of currency was for it to be circulated. Right. Right. But who in their right mind wants to spend a Bitcoin right now? Right. Because the price can change from one day to another. I don't want to pay $80 million for a pizza. Right. You know, but the thing is, is it's transitioned from a currency to more of that storage of wealth. Like I was saying, it is the new digital gold more, more so. So maybe there is going to be another altcoin that will be used for more day-to-day transactions. Mm. And that's what Litecoin I promises. Say, I think that's what Litecoin, I think that's the silver lining for Litecoin for me. I kind of see it being, being that like, whereas Bitcoin is that luxury item. <laughs> it's Bitcoin is, is, is your Neiman Marcus or whatever. <laughs> and then you got like your target with Litecoin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, Bitcoin is something you buy to hold. Yeah. It's like an asset in mm-hmm. the future. Whereas Litecoin potentially can be the one that is used more, uh, more, uh, I guess, commonly amongst, yeah. uh, you know, other companies. So is it ever possible for there to be like a counterfeit Bitcoin or anything that can replicate it? No, that's the that's the beauty of the blockchain. It, it accounts for every single Bitcoin within its network. And the thousands of users that are on the blockchain network have a copy of the entire database. So to introduce a counterfeit Bitcoin, it would have had to come from somewhere. So if uh, each each block has three pieces of information. It has the details of the transaction, so it basically looks like a receipt, right? Mm -hmm. But the people involved in it are all uh, encrypted. Their information, their name is a 26-digit number and letter, randomly generated serial number, right? And then it has the, the block has its own encryption code on it, and then it has the encryption code of the block prior to it. So it's impossible to introduce a new Bitcoin because then it will have no cycle before it. Where did it come from? Who created it? There is no record of it prior, so then they just wipe it out immediately. Oh, wow. And that's why I think governments are going to warm up to it, because it does solve a lot of the problems that currency tried, right? Right. To, they, they created the dollar because it was impractical to carry around gold bars. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted a measurement for it, and they wanted it easily to be transportable, you know, easy to store. Right. Um, but the number one issue that they've faced ever since the beginning was uh, counterfeit, mm-hmm. you know, and that's and that's what cryptocurrencies can kind of introduce. It's interesting that you said that about not being able to carry a gold bar because that's one of the things I try to explain to people that don't get the concept of digital money. Mm-hmm. We're kind of already 
or we, we already have been introduced to it with like the Apple Pays mm-hmm. and just getting used to paying for everything via your phone, like right. whether you're just paying Starbucks via the Starbucks app or something like that. So right. it's not too far away from that aspect of it. No, and I, I'm glad you brought up that point because the, the another key point with cryptocurrency is that when you use Apple Pay or you use a, even your debit card to go to a, your local Starbucks, mm-hmm. the moment you swipe your card, there's a there's an exchange that happens. However, it's based on trust, right? right? Right. So you get your coffee, you swipe your card, but then the settlement doesn't end there. You know, the the the, the credit card machine company that you're using, they have your card information. Mm-hmm. Then the company that transmits that over to you know the bank, you know. So in any given transaction, five or six companies have record of that transaction right. and all of your information. Mm. And that's why it's very dangerous because are we trusting these companies that we don't even know we're doing business with to store our financial information? And are they as easily hacked as Equifax? Yes, they are. It's a little more dangerous than uh, right. blockchain. Whereas Bitcoin, I can transact with you live and completely anonymously. Mm. Because when you go to order something online, if you're not using, even if you're using PayPal, how much information do you have to put in just to buy a t-shirt on Amazon? Quite a bit. Yeah. Right. Now, Amazon makes it easier because they store, I'm sorry, uh, Amazon makes it easier because they store everything and so does PayPal. Right. But if you're a first time user, you have to put in your address, your name, your credit card number, the code on the back. And then now you get on Facebook and all you're seeing is Amazon ads for stuff that you just looked at. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So they are making money off of our information and it's time that it comes back. Yeah, definitely. So let's say back in 2010, I I buy $100. This is a Sprite. And it tastes exactly like it sounds. That first hit of cool, crisp refreshment on your tongue... Followed by that familiar chorus we all know by heart. Sprite. Thirst for yours. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water. Vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Copyright 2020, Glasso.